It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the murder of a pregnant woman. It also contains discussion of sexual violence. This week on the murder sheet, we're doing something a little different. We're going to begin our story at the very end. On Friday, October 14th, 2022, Anya and I attended the sentencing hearing for Larry Joe Taylor Jr., a man who had been convicted of committing a couple of robberies and then killing Amanda Blackburn, the pregnant wife of Davy Blackburn a pastor who at that time led a small church in Indianapolis. The hearing was slated to take place at the Marion County Court System's brand new community justice campus, which houses dozens of courtrooms. The campus's most prominent feature is a glassy building that towers above the rest of the structures. 
We arrived there on an afternoon so sunny and blue that the building almost seemed to disappear against the sky. We made our way through the building, appointed with smooth white floors and lots of screens showing docket listings, and, of course, a security check-in. It all gave the impression of being very state-of-the-art. After riding the elevator to the appropriate floor, we waited and chatted with one other journalist there to cover the hearing. Then it was time to head into the courtroom, a spacious room furnished with benches and desks of blonde wood. We slid onto the second row of public seating to the right, situating ourselves behind the defense attorneys. Of course, sentencing hearings involve far more than just a convicted man walking in front of a judge and being told how much of his life he must spend in prison. They are also designed to give the people most affected by the crime a chance to speak out, to look right in the eye of the person who harmed them or their loved one and tell that person exactly what they think of him and what they believe should happen to him. They can be very emotional. In fact, on this day, before the hearing even began, a court officer carefully put out a box of tissues on each side of the courtroom. Then he sternly warned everyone present to shut off their phones. Sitting in front of us, we saw Phil Byers, Amanda Blackburn's father. He kept looking down sadly at a piece of paper in his hand, a page that was titled Larry Taylor Sentencing Statement. After a few minutes, he got up, crossed the aisle, and sat beside Davy Blackburn, Amanda's husband. Holding what looked like a Starbucks cup, Blackburn mostly stared straight ahead. He'd set his statement and a pair of sunglasses on the bench next to him, but Phil Byers just kept looking down at his statement, at the words he was prepared to read to the man convicted of shooting and murdering his daughter and unborn grandchild. The courtroom remained mostly silent, aside from a few whispers here and there. Finally, Judge Grant Hawkins, robed and bespectacled with a prominent gray mustache, came in. Not long after, Larry Joe Taylor was led into the courtroom. He wore prison garb, and as he moved, we heard the sound of chains clinking. For some reason, both Kevin and I were startled by the red color of his jailhouse scrubs. You become so used to seeing prisoners depicted as wearing orange in popular media. There was something jarring about the red color. As Taylor was about to sit down, he cast a wary look at the people in the courtroom. All of us knew exactly what he had been convicted of, and most of the men and women there had also been personally impacted by his actions. It was time to begin the hearing. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, we built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. 
We're the murder sheet. And this is the murder of Amanda Blackburn, the sentencing of Larry Joe Taylor Jr. Before we tell you how people were affected by Taylor's crimes, it is necessary to tell the story of what exactly he stands convicted of. To do that, let's go all the way back to the early morning hours of November 10th, 2015. Then 18-year-old Larry Joe Taylor was with two of his friends, 21-year-old Jalen Watson and 24-year-old Deano Gordon. Let's allow one of the investigative officers to pick up the story of what happened next. To do this, we will throughout the episode be reading various excerpts from a probable cause affidavit prepared by Detective Thomas Lean. When you hear this sound, that will signal that we are reading from an official court document. Larry Taylor was carrying a snub-nosed 38 revolver. They wanted money so Larry Taylor climbed up the back railing of an apartment. Taylor opened the front door for Gordon and Watson. Taylor had a set of keys in his hand. He worked the key fob and it opened a silver Chrysler Sebring. Taylor took an iPhone from the bedroom where the occupant of the apartment was sleeping. They discovered they were on video and they disconnected the camera. Taylor wanted to kill the occupant because he was seen on camera. Watson and Gordon convinced him to leave and Taylor, Watson, and Gordon left together in the Sebring. The occupant of that apartment was a woman we'll call Beth. That is not her real name. We're protecting her identity for her privacy. She was the first one to call police that morning. At 5.23 a.m., November 10th, 2015, Beth called 911 to report a burglary of her apartment. Officer Thomas Aguilar responded to make a report. Beth stated that she woke up at 4.30 a.m. and realized her cell phone was missing from her bedroom. She noticed her sliding glass door was open and plants were knocked over in the apartment. Her Apple MacBook laptop was missing along with her purse and keys. Beth noticed her Chrysler Sebring was missing from the parking lot. Officer Aguilar and Beth reviewed her Xfinity alarm system which takes interior still photographs when someone enters the residence. Three people were seen in the still photographs. Two were definitely inside the residence. And the third was either just inside or at the doorway to the apartment. When we talk about crimes, it is easy to allow something that is the magnitude of a murder to overshadow other offenses. But that is not fair to the other victims. Larry Joe Taylor was talked out of killing Beth, but that doesn't mean she did not feel a real sense of terror and horror over what happened to her. Beth did not appear in court at the sentencing hearing, but she did provide an emotional letter 
which was read aloud by the state's prosecutors. At this hearing, the state was represented by Mark Busby, a deputy prosecuting attorney at the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. At hearings like this, it falls to these prosecutors to speak for the victims. Think about what Beth went through. While she slept, intruders entered her home and even her bedroom and came very close to killing her. How could a person go through something like that and not be changed? Beth wrote in her letter that she was now filled with fear. She was scared of going out into the world, but she was also afraid when she was at home. After all, her home was where she was nearly murdered. Due to the stress of what she went through, she said she is no longer the person she once was. She has gained a hundred pounds. Even worse, she has also been officially diagnosed with post-traumatic stress syndrome. That is a problem because as a person with an official PTSD diagnosis, she finds it very difficult to get life insurance. And all of this was because Larry Taylor and his friends decided they wanted some money. Despite her suffering, Beth conceded that the loss of her things did not compare to the loss of Amanda Blackburn. Now, let's return to the morning of November 10th, 2015. Taylor and his friends were far from done. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. EMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's roe.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The group wanted more money, so they drove to a west side subdivision. Larry Taylor tore the back patio screen to a home, reached inside, and unlocked the deadbolt. Taylor, Gordon, and Watson entered the house, where they stole televisions and a laptop. They'd loaded the items in the Chrysler Sebring. We will call the occupant of this house Jessica. Again, this is not her real name. She was the next to call police. At 8.17 a.m., November 10th, 2015, Jessica called 911 to report a burglary of her home. Officer Elise Torres responded to take the report. Jessica's interior video depicted a subject who disabled the system at 5.36 a.m. Four televisions, a MacBook Pro, a Tiffany pearl necklace, a pink woman's sweater, an AT&T U-verse remote control, a bag of oranges and bed sheets were taken from the home. It appeared the suspects also drank beer and wine and left the bottles in the home. Exit was made through the front door, which Jessica discovered unlocked when she returned home. Jessica appeared in person at the sentencing hearing. She made the same point as Beth, that her loss was not as great as that of the Blackburn family. I only lost things, she said. But actually, she went on to explain that she lost more than that. Before Larry Taylor broke into her house, Jessica had felt a sense of security, not just in her home, but also in her neighborhood as a whole. And much like Beth, Jessica had also struggled with mental health issues after all of this. She suffered depression for years. Let's get back to the detective's affidavit. We know Taylor and his friends broke into Jessica's home at 5.36 a.m. We are not sure exactly how long they were in there, but it had to be long enough for them to gather all those valuables and to drink bottles of beer and wine. In any case, in a house about 100 feet away, Davy Blackburn was getting ready to leave for his early morning workout at a nearby gym. His wife, Amanda Blackburn, and their 15-month-old son, would remain at the Blackburn home. Davey told police he left the house at around 6 a.m. According to press reports, Taylor or one of his associates may have seen him leave. As he departed, Davey left the front door unlocked. Davey would later be the one to find his wife. But let's go back to those moments just after Taylor and his crew finished their burglary at Jessica's home. They decided they wanted more money. Larry Taylor walked to the Blackburn home and opened the unlocked front door. Taylor and Watson entered the front door. Gordon waited at the Chrysler Sebring. At approximately 6.40 to 6.45 a.m., a witness was in bed next door to the Blackburn house. She heard two shots in what sounded like a woman's scream. Watson exited the house and came to the car. Watson said there was a woman inside and Taylor busted her in the mouth with his gun. They discussed leaving, but Taylor then walked to the car and threw a couple of ATM cards in the car. Watson drove to an ATM. Larry Taylor 
later told Watson and Gordon he killed the woman. Taylor stated that she charged at him, and he shot her somewhere in the upper body so he would not be scratched. Taylor then told them that he leaned over her body and shot her in the back of the head. He leaned further, looked at her face, and watched her bleed. David Blackburn left the gym at approximately 7.10 a.m. and was talking on the phone with his friend. Blackburn stated that he remained on the phone on the way home and was still on the phone when he arrived home at approximately 7.30 a.m. He stayed on the phone in the driveway. At 7.53 a.m., Chase Bank left a voicemail for Amanda Blackburn. The voicemail alerted Amanda to suspicious activity on her Chase debit card. Around 8.20 a.m., David Blackburn entered his home through the front door and found Amanda Blackburn face down in blood on the living room floor. She was nude with her panties next to her and her shirt pulled up as if someone tried to pull it off. A doctor later determined she had sustained a gunshot wound to the back of her head. She also had a gunshot wound to the lower left arm, which traveled up to her biceps. She also had a through-and-through gunshot wound, which entered and exited her upper back. The back wound was downward. Blackburn had scratches to her left cheek, a split lip, and a lower tooth knocked out. So those were the acts that Taylor was convicted of committing. In short, he killed a pregnant 28-year-old pastor's wife in her own home while her toddler son was in a nearby bedroom. But of course, the judge knew all of that before the sentencing hearing. Before Judge Hawkins passed sentence on Larry Taylor, it was important that he hear not how Amanda Blackburn died, but rather how she lived. The people who stepped forward to share that information with the court were Amanda's father, Phil Byers, her sister, Amber, and her husband, Davy Blackburn. The first to speak was Amber. She grew emotional as she spoke of the murder of Amanda as the greatest sorrow of her life, describing it as leaving an emptiness that never goes away. She described memories of listening to her parents cry out in agony. She revealed that the trial had overwhelmed her, that it had been difficult to hear the horrifying details of Amanda Blackburn's final moments. It's almost too much for my heart to handle, she said, through tears. Then, she directly addressed the man convicted of taking her sister from this world. Larry Taylor, she said, I really wish you would have had a chance to meet Amanda. It wouldn't matter what you needed. She and Davy would have found a way to help you. If you needed a warm meal, they would have invited you to their dinner table. At this point, we could hear the sound of people sniffling in the courtroom. Most everyone seemed to be affected by her words. We were sitting several rows behind Larry Taylor and could not see his face, so we could not tell what impact, if any, Amber's words had on him. Amber then began to speak of what she imagined her sister would have desired for Larry Taylor. She would have wanted you to have the mercy of Jesus. She would have wanted you to have life in Jesus. You chose darkness. She would have you know the light of Jesus. Sitting in the courtroom, Davy Blackburn wiped his eyes with a tissue. Amber went on to speak movingly about Amanda's deep religious faith. 
The next person to address the court was Phil Byers, Amanda's father. He is the lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Elkhart, which is located in Bristol, Indiana, about 167 miles north of this Indianapolis courtroom. You could hear the anger and the pain in his voice as he spoke. On November 10, 2015, he said, Darkness entered our world. That darkness has a name, and it is Larry Taylor. Like Amber, Phil Byers directly addressed the man convicted of murdering his daughter. Larry, he said, I'm her dad, and she was my little girl. I wish I could have been there because I would have stopped you from hurting my little girls. He referred to girls, plural, because Amanda was pregnant with a daughter at the time of her death. As a father, Phil Byers admitted that a part of him wanted revenge for what happened. But he didn't feel it was his to seek. I believe in the truth of the Bible, he said. And the Bible tells me, vengeance is not mine. I want to offer you forgiveness. I stand ready to forgive you if you ask God for forgiveness. In conclusion, Byers turned to Judge Grant Hawkins. We as a whole family trust you, he said. You will decide what is best. And then finally, it was time for Amanda's husband, Davy Blackburn, to speak. He opened his remarks by noting that it was common for people to exaggerate about how wonderful the deceased were, how people we've lost always seem to be special and wonderful and perfect, when they actually were just as flawed and normal as anyone else. But he stressed it wasn't like that with Amanda. She really was just as incredible as everyone said she was. There was, he said, something unique and pure in her. Speaking directly to Larry Taylor, Davy Blackburn admitted he had wrestled with some of the same sorts of feelings as Phil Byers. In my humanity, he said, I want you to suffer as much as she suffered. But his faith in God ultimately made him arrive at a different place. Looking at the man who killed his wife and unborn daughter, Davy said, Forgiveness is available to you because Jesus died on the cross. I release you from the debt you owe me. But, he admitted to Larry, I hope that you will spend the rest of your life in prison. At the end of Davy Blackburn's prepared statement, the prosecutor asked him a question about the son he shared with Amanda the child who was only 15 months old when his mother was murdered. Davy considered it for a moment and then shared a rather disturbing anecdote. One recent day, his son turned to him and asked a difficult question. Dad, he said, does it hurt when you get shot? At that point, it was time to give Larry Joe Taylor himself a chance to speak. But he opted to remain silent. However... His attorney, Vincent Casanova, did make a few remarks. Casanova spoke about Taylor's difficult childhood, which he said was permeated by abandonment and abuse and neglect and poverty. He talked about how young Taylor was at the time of the crime, 18 years old. An adult under the eyes of the law, Casanova noted, but still a lost and angry young man with a mind not yet entirely formed, and damaged by a rough start. Science tells us that our brains aren't quite done developing until our mid-twenties, or even our early thirties. 
The defense lawyer stressed that he felt his client had the potential to be a better person, if given the chance. Casanova noted that Indiana's criminal code stresses the importance of rehabilitating offenders, not punishing them. He did not contest Taylor's conviction or minimize his crimes, but he did ask the court to consider that his client might be able to grow and change for the better, to the point that he could one day re-enter society. Prosecutors pushed back on this idea, noting that Taylor has continued to break the rules in jail. As recently as September 22nd of this year, he was accused of attacking a guard. Judge Hawkins then had to weigh all of this to make a decision on what sort of sentence to impose on Taylor. As he spoke about his thinking process, it became apparent that he took it all incredibly seriously, especially the possibility that Taylor's bad experiences and immaturity had so far combined to rob him of the chance to become as good a man as he could be. Yet he did not want to give a dangerous and violent man a break he simply may not deserve. He chose to sentence Taylor to a total of 86 years. But that sentence came with an unusual provision. The judge ruled that in 30 years, Taylor's sentence must be reassessed. At that time, if a judge finds that Taylor has indeed lived up to Casanova's beliefs, that he stayed out of trouble in prison and worked to live a meaningful life on the inside, that he might receive a lighter sentence. Out of all of the men involved in the fatal burglary spree, Taylor received the heaviest sentence. But it's been a long road to reach this final sentencing hearing. The justice system often moves very slowly. The judicial process around this case in particular has been delayed multiple times due to issues like mistrials. But that's not to say that these three men have been free all this time. Media reports indicate that they have each been incarcerated since not long after the murder of Amanda Blackburn. They were arrested as very young men. They are not so young anymore. Taylor is 25 now. Deano Gordon is 31. Jalen Watson is 28. Gordon in particular proved to be a pivotal, though unseen, presence during Taylor's sentencing. His testimony proved crucial in the trial against his former accomplice. Back in 2018, Gordon struck a plea deal with prosecutors. In exchange for testifying against Taylor, Gordon would have charges related to the murder, the theft, and his status as a habitual offender dropped. So when the time came for him to be sentenced, he received 25 years imprisonment, to be followed by five years probation. And it seems like that testimony brought about some mixed feelings. In one notable exchange, Gordon mouthed, I'm sorry, to Taylor while on the stand. Meanwhile, Jalen Watson was the first of the three to strike a deal with prosecutors. Back in 2017, Watson pled guilty to a single count of robbery and two counts of burglary. That was also contingent on his cooperation with prosecutors. Watson did not receive his sentence until 2021, when he was hit with 29 years. We attended the sentencing hearing to get an inside look at the justice system, how it works, and how it really looks up close. In the end, 
This hearing was a good reminder that even cases that get a decent amount of attention can proceed rather slowly. There is a lot that the justice system can do in terms of prosecuting individuals and hitting them with lengthy prison terms. But it's also a stark reminder that even in a case where justice is apparently served, there's only so much that our legal system can do. The idea that a misguided and selfish decision by three young men could cause such widespread damage to strangers and to themselves is a scary one to come away with. But that is ultimately what we took away from the hearing. Nothing can make up for the loss of Amanda. There's no closure for her relatives, whose sadness and anger were still so palpable in the hearing. There is no turning away from the image that this case conjures up, that of a 15-month-old child left alone in a house as his pregnant mother bleeds to death. Nothing can undo that. We want to highlight the fact that we made an error in the originally released version of this episode. Due to a reference on my case, we misidentified the deputy prosecuting attorney who spoke at the hearing. We greatly regret the error. We would also like to acknowledge the work that deputy prosecuting attorney Emily Snyder has done on this case. We would like to give a very special thank you to the Murder Sheet listener who promptly brought this to our attention. We really appreciate it when listeners come to us with tips and suggestions on cases we should cover. So we'd like to extend our warmest thanks to the researchers who were sort of looking into the Amanda Blackburn case who flagged it uh, with us. This is a case that is obviously incredibly heartbreaking and also complicated with multiple suspects being tried over the course of seven years and what could now turn out to be a lengthy appeals process for Larry Joe Taylor, who in this sentencing hearing did indicate that he plans to appeal his sentence. So for a case like this, it's something that we often like to come back to. So if you have any tips or suggestions on this case or any other ones, please don't hesitate to email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. We like to approach things from a number of different angles over time. Thanks so much for listening to The Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover, please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murdersheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murdersheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet discussion group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. 
Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.